Friday is Valentine's Day. I have no idea if I'm going to get chocolates or cake or flowers. Sometimes we have a lot of expectations for Valentine's Day. And I think we have a lot of ideas about what, about what love really is. And I'm so thankful for God's word that tells us exactly what perfect love looks like. If I have the gift of speaking beautiful words in the languages of men and women, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. My love is like a red, red rose. And I, if I could speak as beautifully as even the angels in heaven. But if I have not love, all my words are nothing but noise. What if I have the gift of prophecy? Listen to me, everyone. Listen to me. Let me tell you what's going to happen. The world is going to come to an end. Pack up your things. Run to the hills. And what if you believed me? What if I were that good? But I have not love. It means nothing. What if I had the gift of intelligence? I was so smart, so wise. I understand all mysteries. I understand astrophysics, chemistry, philosophy, theology, everything. What if I don't have love? It's nothing. And if I were someone in this church who had so much faith that I could say to Pillar Mountain, I could say, you mountain, you fall into the sea. And it did. Even if I possessed all those gifts, all those things, and used them right here in this church, faith, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, prophecy, beautiful language. If I don't have love, if I don't speak, act, and move out of love, all those good things will mean nothing. And I am nothing. I have nothing. But wait, I'm not done. There's more that I can do. Look, it, it, it's, it's really cold out. Are you cold? Do you need my coat? Here. You can, you can have my coat. And your, your hands are cold. You can have my mittens. Do you need shoes? Here. I'll give you my shoes. You can have it all. You can have everything that I own. You can e even this body. I'm going to give you even this body. I'm going to throw it on the fire. I can do all that. I can do all that, and if I do it without love, 
I can do all these good and worthy things. I can have all these great gifts, but without love, I have done nothing. I have helped no one. I have gained nothing. My sacrifices aren't enough. Because love is not just what we do, the things on the outside. But love must begin here, in the heart. Here, here is what perfect love looks like. Here is what God's love looks like. Real love is patient. The Lord is patient towards you, not wanting that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Real love is kind. The Lord says, I led them with cords of kindness, and I bent down and fed them. Real love does not envy. It doesn't boast. Let him who boasts boast only in the Lord. It is not proud. Jesus poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. It does not dishonor others. Love each other as brothers. Even love your enemies. It is not self-seeking. Do nothing out of selfish, selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Love is not easily angered. The Lord is compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Love keeps no record of wrongs. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your sins from you. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. Love protects. Always. Always. Love trusts. Always. Always. Love hopes. Always. Love perseveres. Always. Real love. God's love will never fail us. How great is the Father's love toward us that we should be called the children of God. This love is unending. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Other things, even those good gifts, they will come to an end. Prophecies will cease. Tongues will be stilled. Human knowledge will all pass away because these are incomplete. It's like looking through a dark glass. Now it's just a dull reflection in the mirror. But we shall soon see love, see perfect love face to face. When he appears, we shall know him because we shall see him as he sees us. And all that we know and do just partially now, we will put away, just as children put away their toys when they grow up. But until that completeness comes, we have three things that we can do to lead us toward that day. 
we can trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, trust, hope, love. And the best of the three is love. Thank you, Leslie, and that was amazing. Thank you. It's incredible. This is exactly what we're talking about this morning. We're continuing the message, Bold Intimacy. If you were here last week, uh, we talked about what God's love is and what intimacy with God is, and honestly, that's, that's where it originates, right? That's where it started. God created Adam and Eve, and we walked with him. They walked with him in the garden. They had a close, connected relationship with him. And that was the original design, the original plan, this closeness. I call it bold intimacy. We're going to talk a little bit about today what that means for us and our relationships with what? With one another, right? Whether you're single, whether you're dating, if you're wanting to date, or whether you're married, whether you're divorced, I believe that God is speaking to each of us this morning and wants us to know what this thing is called bold intimacy, what he originally created us for. And I, don't know, I don't know about back over history and human history, like there's one thing that, that, that us humans get right, right? Messing things up. <laughs> like we're really good at messing up a good thing. And I won't, we won't be dwelling on that, but it's just, it's a part of it. Like it's just, it's a part of it. God created us originally for this bold intimacy. And we're going we're gonna to start in Genesis today. Take out your sermon notes if you have those. Um, Genesis 1 is where I'm going to start, and then we'll get to 26. Uh, but before I do that, let me, uh, let me shamelessly plug a few things. There's a, in, on your calendar, mark your calendar, August 7th and 8th, um, CBC and KBM, we're going to tackle this thing. Um, it's a couples retreat. And we're going to open up Woody Island to all the couples here or outside of our area to come stay and come enjoy a little bit of retreat, refreshment. Um, we're going to take over the ranch camp as well as the, um, the other, all the facilities there, and we're going to make it available to, to couples who just want to give away, get away. We're going to ask him, asking those of us you know, here and those of us who want to serve and lead maybe a few couple of talks but there's going to be a lot of free time outside of that just to enjoy. So pray for good weather for that weekend. Um, pray for the couples that God wants there. Um, and we'll be partnering with other churches and organizations for this to happen. So we'll, we'll let you guys know more details. So that's for couples. Um, for the men specifically, there's a cool thing coming up here. In your, in your bulletins, you'll see Tin Man. And what that is, it's a, it's a snow shelter camp out for two nights if you're brave enough. On Sheratine Mountain. That's where, it, that's where the name Tin Man comes from, Sheratine. So it should be Teen Man, right? And we've got a few professionals that have done this before. So if you feel like your lives are in danger, you're right. It is. <laughs> they are. So wives, this is a great time. If you want to start over, go ahead and send your man up to the mountains with us. He might not make it back. Um, and for those of you single guys looking for adventure, like this, this is going to be it. 
And even if you don't enjoy camping out, let me just say, um, from 16-year-old to 68-year-old, we want you there. This is, this is honestly going to be a time for men to connect and hang out and just, just be guys. So, what is that? March 5th through 7th. We've got a couple of mountain guides coming up to join us, a couple of survival um, specialists that will be there with us. One of our survival specialists is going to be off-island because he's going to be in the Bahamas. So, he's, he's going to survive the Bahaman beach with his wife. Good job, Steve. <laughs> Good job, Paulson. Pa- Paulson was one of our go-to guys for this survival trip. So we're, we're half, half the men we wanted to be. Uh, but honestly, no, mark your calendars for that. And then September, let me see if I can get this date right. September 25th and 26th, uh, again, CBC and KBM are partnering for this thing called Man Camp. Man Camp is going to be all the men of the island, whoever wants to be there, we're going to take over Woody Island. And, and it's, it's going to be a time of camp out, of competition, of fun, and honestly, of this thing that we talked about last week. Like, h- how do we really connect with God and each other? And honestly, it's going to be more adventure and competition. So if you're a man, and you're in between 16 and, and again 70, like, we want you there. You can primitive camp if you want. You can take over one of the cabins. Like, we'll figure all those details out. But we're inviting every man on the island. That one is September 25th and 26th. Bold intimacy. So back to the message. Let me start in Genesis 1, where it all began. And I'll read, and then you guys can join me when I get to 26 through 28. But I'm going to read from Genesis 1-1, if you don't mind. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night, and there was evening, and then there was morning, and that was the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters, and there will be under that expanse from the waters, and there were above the expanse. And it was so, and God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, and that was the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called the dry land earth. So, so when, when we're in our science class, remember when, they, when we're talking about what earth? We're talking about this place that God named. It always amazes me when we go back to God's word and we see truth. And the waters were gathered together. He called the sea, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit, trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, and which is their seed, and according to each kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and that was the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let there, for signs and for season and for days and years, let 
let the lights in the expanse of the heavens give light to the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, what we know as the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night in the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was what? It was good. God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was fruitful. He said that it was good. He began to say, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas. Let the birds multiply on the earth. And we're almost to the part in your sermon notes. And there was evening and there was morning. That was the fifth day. And I'm getting, there's only seven days, so we only have two more left, right? <laughs> and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind and the livestock according to their kind and everything that creeps around according to its kind. And God said that it was good. And here's where we're talking about today. And it's in your sermon, it's uh, Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Notice the plurality there. He's talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three in one. Even from the, from the beginning, we're getting to know who this Jesus might be. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let, him, let them have dominion over the fish. We know that well, right? In the sea, over the birds of all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over fish of the sea and over the birds in heaven and over every living thing that moves on this earth. I'm thankful that God had us in mind. Like right from the beginning, you know, he, he had seven days. He chose seven days. He chose six to create and one the rest. And like right from the beginning, he chose, he chose us. He chose you and me. And, like, he, he literally could have made anything. Like, we've had enough sci-fi movies, right, to have an imagination of what have, could have been created, and he chose you and me, man and woman. Last week, we talked ab about intimacy as closeness. It's knowing. It's wanting. Like, intimacy is closeness, and, it's, and we talked about it's more than proximity. Like, it's a true desire to know, to want, to be with one another, right? And last week we started with the most important relationship that we have, intimacy with our Father God. I even had you guys like do a quiz, so if you miss the quiz, we'll like pass that out, kind of rating your, your how was your walk with God, you know? How often do you catch yourself sharing your dreams, your hopes, like your fears with our, with our Father God? It's all talking about intimacy. In the, in the main scripture last week, James 4, 8, says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. 
That's where we ended. This week we pick up again with a message titled Bold Intimacy. And here's a question we're going to try to ask. So each one of you, bold intimacy. And I'm not sure where you're at in your relationship with God. Like I'm not sure where you're at with your relationship with one another. But we're going to try to answer that this morning. It's a bold question. So bold intimacy, the message is titled, What Am I Missing? Like, what are we missing? I believe every one of us has a next step, and every one of us has a gap, potentially in our our relationship with our Father God and with each other. And we're going to talk about what are we missing in those relationships. Next week, we have a very brave couple joining us. Uh, They're going to share their, we're going to talk about conflict. We're going to talk about working. Who has conflict in their, in their relationships in here? Am I the only one? Am I the only one? Paulson's, we all know about you guys. We talked about y'all last week. Conflict. Who might have some conflict with their neighbors recently about shoveling, you know, the right amount of driveway or ice out of each other's, you know, or, or with their pets? I know several of us. That's a, that's a, that's a hot topic this morning. I won't bring won't bring it up. I'll, I'll say that our, our buddy, everyone loves buddy, except for the people that are scared to death of big dogs on the trail. <laughs> and so Myra and I are apologizing like constantly when buddy's like zipping down the near island beach. Like we're now having to be mindful and keep him on leash until we get all the way to the water. Because this scares people to death. They think he's going to eat them. <laughs> and he might. I mean, the right person might be tasty enough. I don't know. No, but c- there's always conflict. Like, even in, there's a reason why, and God knew it was going to happen. This is what, this is like mind-blowing for me. When God created man and woman, and he, and he put them in the garden, and he said, you can have anything you want in this garden, except don't touch the tree of knowledge, right? Where, where was that tree? It was right in the center of, that's a question I have for God. Like, God, like, was that planned? <laughs> like, you put that thing right in the middle and said, don't touch it, you know? Like, that had to have been a part of his divine plan. I mean, he knew it. You ever thought about that? It's, it's one of the little questions I have for him, and he'll probably just laugh and dismiss me <laughs> when I ask it. But really, like, I think conflict is a part of us truly understanding what intimacy is. I mean, there's a reason why none of our marriages, none of our relationships are conflict-free. Like, if, if you have a conflict-free relationship in marriage, like, your speaker number one at this couple's retreat, like, this fall. Like, we, and we'll pay you as much as you want to charge if it's truly conflict-free. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about intimacy and closeness with each other. You know, for those of you that are single and, and thinking about, hey, maybe I want to ask this person out or, or hopefully there's that perfect person for me, that man or that woman in, in the near future, and I'm, and I'm going to ask them out, and I want to be ready. You know, or maybe you're like me, and you're married now, and thankfully you found Mr. Right and Mrs. Right, right? And we know that's completely false. Like, we, we think we probably found Mr. and Mrs. Wrong. Like, who, who found Mr. Right and who found Mr. Wrong? I'm just curious. So, sorry, I was looking for hands. Nobody's brave enough to say it. Smart. Y'all are way too smart. We were created for relationship. We're going to talk about that to get today for a little bit, how, how this conflict gets in the way of our relationship with one another. We were created for relationship, but until we get this right, our relationship with God comes first. It always has. It always will. 
like until you figure out that hierarchy, like it's God and then my significant other and then my kids, like moms and dads, right? And especially when they leave the house and you become empty nesters, like Myra and I are figuring that out. We're like, we're half and half. And you start to realize, oh my goodness, I, I, sh- I need to take care of my relationship with my wife. My kids are about to leave, and then it's going to be her and I again. Some of you are already there, and you're doing it well. God created Adam and Eve, and then enters the first conflict. So I joked last week, uh, Hunter and Ashlyn Long just got married, and, and um, I forget where they are in their honeymoon, but they're, they're well into their honeymoon. How many months have you guys been married now? Six months, so they're still in the honeymoon phase, right? Can, and for those of you who are single or dreaming of that day when, you, when you're living life with that perfect person, that man or that woman, and you can't wait for the wedding, mostly girls dream about the wedding, right? And mostly guys dream about what? The honeymoon? <laughs> like, like that, the honeymoon is probably why guys get married. I'm not going to lie. It's like, we're going to go have fun, but that we're going to keep it PG-13, okay? And then there's conflict. So honeymoon quickly moves in, just like we saw with Adam and Eve. He created them. They were walking with God, and then what? Then they chose the tree of knowledge, and they both chose it together. I mean, Scripture says that the woman was tempted by the serpent, but guess who was standing right there with her? The man. And he's like, I don't know, maybe try it. Let me know how it goes. You know? Isn't that just like a man? That's passivity. God's trying to get us to be, to reject passivity, men. That's just a message just for you, and we'll talk about that on the island on one of our retreats. But then conflict happened and broke this intimacy we had. So there was the honeymoon, then there's the disillusionment. Disillusion, this is like, I'm, I'm kind of walking you guys through premarital counseling right now. This is what I always talk about, you know, um, before you say I do. This is just some of the curriculum we use. The disillusionment happens when we find out, you know, when Adam and Eve decided, no, they want to have that knowledge for themselves. Like, they want to be in control. They, they, God, I know you have this perfect thing planned for me, but I, but I want this thing, the one thing you asked me not to do. Disillusionment happens, and it happens in all of our relationships. You know, it happened when Myra found out that I've got, like, ten things that are like horrible about my past and I had to like talk through each one of them with her. She found out I was imperfect, right? And then I found out she wasn't perfect and she's only got maybe half a thing wrong, but it's still not perfect, right? Intimacy. Honeymoon, disillusionment, and then finally, if if we persevere and we're going to get to scripture, we make it to maturity. And I joked a little bit last week how Myra and I, after eight years of marriage, found ourselves in front of a marriage counselor because we were that messed up. And finally, the, the counselor got past all of the, the, di- the, you know, finding out about what we were doing, what he said, what she said. And in the end result of that counseling appointment, he said, you guys just need to grow up. <laughs> he said, you just need to grow up. And I already shared more about that last week. And we both looked at him and said, yeah, you're right. On your sermon notes, you'll find a big circle. And then the gray ring in the middle ring of that circle that says conflict. Outside of that ring, you're going to see isolation and the natural drift. Inside of it, what we're talking about today, right in intimacy. And this is intimacy with God. 
I had a friend draw this circle with me after my first year of marriage. That, that's when our problems began. Like, that's when the disillusionment happened. And he said, Larry, in each one of you can do this in your own time. Where are you right now in your relationship with Myra? And I had to write on the outside, I said, isolation. He said, are you drifting out? Or are you growing closer together with her? I said, well, it just depends on what day it is. <laughs> and he, he kind of thought that was funny. But it's true, right? Like some days we feel like we're super close with, our, with the person we're doing this life with. And some days we're like, I, I don't want to be anywhere near you, if we're honest. Like, just let me go do my thing. It's the same with our relationship with God. Intimacy. The question is, and this is the same thing that, that the counselor had asked me, are you willing to work through that conflict to get back to true intimacy? Are you willing to find a healthy way to work through that conflict so that you don't naturally drift into isolation? So we had to commit that day. Let me tell you one story, and then I'll, I'll move on to, to more of the word. I'd say 15 years, it took, it took me 15 years to figure out where intimacy truly came from. I didn't, I didn't have a good model of, of a mother and father. I didn't have a good model of marriage to follow. Like my dad had been married 10 times. He was on the Elizabeth Taylor plan. He was like, go, he, I don't know how many times did she get married, 12? Like he was trying to beat out Elizabeth Taylor, I'm convinced. He was chasing happiness. And mom was just trying to hold out for the right guy and settled for a guy that was severely addicted of, to drugs and alcohol. And I grew up in that. I witnessed that, what that looks like. So I did not have a good model for this is marriage. This is what loving God and loving your spouse looks like. I got to learn it the opposite way. Maybe like some of you in the room, I got to learn what that's what I don't want for my marriage which honestly is not helpful. <laughs> I'll just be honest. It took this. My 15th year in marriage, Myra and I have been married for 22 years. It took me 15 years to get this. I went to a Christian counselor and she said, and I was telling her about Myra again, about how Myra wasn't this and Myra wasn't that and Myra wasn't this and Myra wasn't that. And Myra had been telling me for years, my expectations are through the roof and she can never make me happy. I don't know if you've ever heard anything similar to this and I am a guy with high expectations like I just I love to dream big and go big like if we're going to do anything let's do it big there's a reason why, why we're here in Alaska because I trust God like I trust what God's doing but this counselor said Larry Myra will never be able to fulfill this intimacy need that you have this void that you have your wife was not meant to fill what you're looking for how crazy is that? For those of us who are single, who are hoping for that Mr. Right and Mrs. Right, that relationship that will finally make us feel whole, like let me just tell you, that relationship doesn't make you feel whole. It could be amazingly fun and it could be amazingly fulfilling, but it doesn't feel that whole. That counselor said something to me. She said, Larry, I, I want you to make Jesus your everything. After 15 years of marriage, I finally had someone tell me. And I looked at her and I said, what does that mean? Like, how do I make Jesus my everything in a marriage? 
And she said, I want you to stop needing anything from your spouse for the next six months. Like anything. And I was like, holy cow, you know. And I went home and told Myra this. I said, I said yeah, the counselor says I'm, I'm supposed to just kind of do life on my own for the next six months. <laughs> that I'm not supposed to need you at all. She's like, what? <laughs> like, who, who is this crazy person? Myra had to go look her up on the internet, <laughs> make she was sure she was legit, but she was right. Paul Tripp, one of the pastors back in the lower 48, says this, some of our deepest and most painful hurts have been in relationships. There are times when we wish we could live alone and other times when we are glad that we don't. It's, he also says it's clear that, y- that no relationship ever delivers what you dreamt it could. Your fantasies collide with reality and reality bites sometimes. And I'll get to the truth here in a moment. I'm trying to let us know that there's no such thing as Mr. and Mrs. Right. Like, nobody in this room will ever be Mr. and Mrs. Right on their own. Like, I know that's a hopeful message, right? I'm inspiring hope today, and you've just got the warmth in your heart. But I'm trying to let you off the hook. Even those of you who are looking for the perfect person to date, like, there's no such thing. But there is this one thing. The secret to intimacy, the secret to finding the right person, the key to a right relationship is not finding the right person, but becoming the right person. Let me say it again. The key to a right relationship, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're married for one year, six months, 50 years, is not trying to get that other person to be the right person, but that you become the right person. You. It's a, you know, how many times did Jesus say, you know, before you worry about the speck in your brother's eye, like worry about the log in your own? It's something like that. It's the same thing in marriage. We are all Mr. and Mrs. Wrong until we choose to follow Christ, until we truly find out what it means to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow him. Bold intimacy, and this is the next line in your sermon note, requires, here's what we're missing. Here's what I'm convinced that we're missing. And it's 12.05 again, so I'm going to get down to the, the, uh, the bullet points and then we'll, we'll reconvene. Bold intimacy requires wisdom and it requires work. Right? Like the, be- the best opportunities show up wearing what? Overalls. <laughs> and, they, and they look like work. It's, tr- it's true in our relationship. Bold intimacy requires wisdom and work and it It's choosing to make more what? Deposits. This is the next blank in your sermon notes. Making more deposits than withdrawals. And some of you know exactly what I mean by that. And some of you are going, what in the world is he talking about? Deposits and withdrawals? Are we talking about our checking account? And so I want to ask you this morning, everybody in this room, ready? Get ready to write this number down. How's your checking account doing? How's your savings account doing? Like, what's that number look like right now for you? Yes, I'm talking about your finances. Is it good? Are you making more deposits than withdrawals in your checking account? Because that's the only way your checking account works, right? You deposit more than you withdraw. One of those counselors actually said to me once, he said, your relationship is also like a bank account. 
He said the key to relationships, to doing this thing right, is to make more deposits with your spouse, with your significant other, than you make withdrawals. And he even said this. This is like a little bit scary for some of us. He said for every one negative, you know, how many people have seen that insufficient funds in your bank? And maybe it's been years for others, but every now and then you get that NSF fee, right? How many of those, for every one major NSF fee in your relationship, you, you need five positive deposits to make up for that one negative withdrawal. And I'm so smart, it took me a year in marriage to figure this out. Because I withdrawed that bank account like negative after negative after negative for the first year. And finally, my wife, and I'm so glad she's with me today, she said, I'm done with you. <laughs> like, I'm so done with you. How many, how many people want to say that to their spouse or have had said that to their spouse? You can, you can be brave. Raise your hands. It's all of us. Bold intimacy requires wisdom and work. Choosing to make more deposits than withdrawals. The question is, how is your bank account right now? Are you making deposits more than withdrawals? James 3, 13 through 17 is going to help us out with this wisdom part. So some of you are like, okay, I, I want to have wisdom in my relationship. Like, where does that come from? James 13, 3, 13 starts with, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his and her good conduct, let them show their works in the meekness of wisdom. And then it, it turns a little bit and goes to the negative side, what some of us are actually carrying right now. If this is you, then this serves as a warning. But if you have bitter and jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes from above. That is not wisdom from God. But it is earthly, unspiritual, and even it goes on and says demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But then it turns back again to godly wisdom. But the wisdom from above is first pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's open to reason. Full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Like how many of us have caught ourselves, right? Like in this, we're pe we have peace, we have true love, like we have patience, we have, you know, with one another, right? And it, it shows in all of our relationships. Most of the time it shows with the relationships that we're closest to, those people we work with, you know, our spouse, our kids, and that, but it also shows what to our neighbors, what we carry in our heart. And scripture in this moment, God's trying to say, hey, like, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to focus in and show you what's in your heart for a second. And every now and then it's worth looking at what's in my heart. Like, what do I wake up with? What are my first thoughts during the morning? And I, I don't know about you, most of the time my thoughts are positive, they're happy, I'm refreshed. I actually sometimes have worship song or scripture in my head. You know, sometimes I'm thinking about something fun I'm, I'm going to get to do that day. And sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it is a little bit bitterness about a relationship or a little bit of pain um, about, about, you know, something that I need to reconcile or confess or ask for forgiveness. James 3, 13 through 17 is pretty good about helping with that introspection. 
bold intimacy, your next blank, is a result of honoring one another. It's a result of honoring one another. Again, our thoughts, our words, and our actions, like they all go together. Like when, when we think about one another, so it's easy to think about those that we love, right? And we still have conflict with those that we love. But even Jesus says to love who? Love your enemies. And so go, so go to someone maybe right now in your mind who has wrong, wronged you a little bit or frustrated you or caused some of that bitterness that James is talking about. And my, qu- my question today is, is, have you, will you forgive them? You know? Will you at least start the process of going, God, I, I don't have it in my heart, but I'm going to start with my thoughts and go, I give them to you. Please let me forgive them and give them over to you. God's desire is for us to have reconciliation in our relationships. I'm not, and, and let me add a disclaimer to this one. I grew up in a very abusive, unhealthy home. He's not saying run back into an abusive relationship. I'd love to talk to you about that if, if that's something that you or someone you know is, is facing. But he is saying forgive and hand, hand them over to God. That's a whole different sermon for later. John 4, 7 through 8 says, Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And I think he's talking about there, like those of us who say, you know what, God, like I'm done with myself. I'm, I'm done trying to be CEO of my own life. Like when I stepped out of the corporate world, I knew there was one thing that I was holding back when I was back working at Duke Energy. I was holding my career back. And that, it became so clear to me, unfortunately, through some loss and some major pain where I said, God, I, like I want you to have all of it. I want to give my whole life to you. That was the day that I decided I'm going to follow no matter what. I think that's what he's talking about. Those who love, who have been born of God, those who accept Christ and decided, you know what, I'm in. Whatever this ride looks like, I'm in. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 7. Leslie did a fantastic reading of the whole thing of what love isn't and is. I'm going to read a small piece of it, and it's in your sermon notes. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast that it's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And guys, I, like, I know if each one of us had to like rate ourselves right now in this, like, or we let our significant other rate us on this, right? I always like to joke about that. We, we don't often, we don't measure up. But I think that's because we haven't let God completely love through us fully yet. And I think it's because we are in this fallen world. Like we, when we decided to separate ourselves from God, when Adam and Eve chose, now I'm going to go my own way. Like I don't think we had any idea what we'd be up against from that point forward. And it's a, it's a daily what. So let me challenge you to do this. It's a daily denying myself, taking up the cross and following him. We'll talk more about this next week on the 
um, when we interview the couple, they're so excited to share their toughest moments. So you guys come and be ready to cheer them on. Um, I'm excited for them. Because I'll tell you, it was the most healing thing that Myra and I ever did, was share our story with our church. And um, we actually came up with these, these right before, it was honestly, we didn't know how we were going to do it, and we've messed up so much in our marriage that we, we didn't want to actually start a fight there on the stage <laughs> as we're sharing our stories, you can imagine. So we came up with this game, this, this ground rules beforehand. We said, okay, I'll share about my mess-ups, and you share about your mess-ups. And if we're not comfortable with whatever it is that we're talking about, you don't, we don't have to bring it up, you know. And so that way I wasn't pointing the finger at her ever, and she wasn't pointing the finger at me, but we got through that thing graciously. Praise God, right? So be praying next weekend for the same from this couple. It's going to be a live interview. I hope you'll join us. Let me wrap up with this, 1 Peter 3, 7 through 12. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of this grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. I'm wrapping up with this. Like, my hope is that if not today, has there ever been a time that you felt like you were closer to God? If, if you're saying, no, today I'm actually, Larry, I'm, I'm closer than I've ever been in my walk with Christ. Like, I want to say awesome. Like, I actually want to talk with you so that you can help and be available for those who are on this journey and want, and want to know how to be closer. But if there's ever been a time that you've been closer to God than you are today, like I just say, just I'll pray here in a moment, just say, God, I, I want to walk with you again. Like I want to desire to be in your word and know you through your word, the truth. Like that's the only truth that we have. You guys know that, right? God's word. And I want to become fully alive again and get past what in my, my other part of my prayer is this, and it might be you. Get past the hurts and the wounds and potentially the unforgiveness that might be in our lives. And I'm talking about me. I still have a few that I, that I have to confess and ask for forgiveness also. So I hope that we can get this right, our relationship with God. That's what I'm, that's what I'm focused on so that we can be ready to have a true intimate relationship with the, those that God's brought into our lives, our spouse, our future relationships with boyfriend and girlfriend, or potentially what we'll talk about in two weeks, uh, singleness, choosing singleness. Right. Let me wrap up and let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, I thank you that you created us for relationship from the beginning, it was about walking with you and knowing you and you knowing us. And God, you reconciled us because of, because of the fall of Adam and Eve, because of our fall, because of the choices that we make. Father, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to reconcile and so that we may have intimacy again. 
Father, I, I pray for strengthening and boldness and intimacy in, in the marriage relationships in this room today and those who are unable to be with us. Father, I pray for intimacy and boldness in the dating relationships in this room. Um, Father, and our, and our kids that are all across the lower 48, let them sense you and how much they need you so that they can love that other person. And Father, you are all-knowing and you know who the single people in this room who, who will be with. And I pray that you protect and build them up for that relationship. And we give you all the glory. Father, we love you. I thank you that you created us to enjoy you and to enjoy each other. Thank you for all the blessings and thank you for um, those who have come through the doors today to hear about your word. In Jesus' name, amen.